Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Every episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan, and I'm your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 15 of Fireside. This is the third one we've recorded on the road. I'm recording this to you from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm still out on the road with Celtic Knights um, tour of the US and Canada. Uh, and we just we just had a string of five shows across Texas and Oklahoma. And now we have two glorious days off in beautiful Nashville. Nashville is a place I wanted to go for a long time. I played in a Johnny Cash tribute band when I was in college and just this is just one of the great music towns in the entire world and I cannot wait to get out there and explore but before I do that I am here to very happily to bring you your weekly storytelling podcast if it's your first time listening to this podcast thank you so much um, you're very welcome to go right back to the beginning and build up to see what, what we've get, got going here but this isn't one if you, you want to test out this one this only isn't one you need to have listened to any of the others before and if you are a returning listener thank you so much for your continued support please continue to subscribe on iTunes to leave comments and ratings they really do make a difference follow me on Instagram at Solo, all one word O-L-O-H-A-N-S-O-L-O and feel free to send me a message and let me know what what you're thinking of this podcast the messages that i've been getting both from old friends new friends and total strangers have been incredibly humbling and i'm delighted with them so please do continue to send them because they are very much appreciated this is quite a special podcast for a couple of reasons uh, this episode in particular this um so this is the first one where I'm trying out this idea of we're obviously up to this point those who've listened to the podcast before will know all the folklore stories that I've been doing have all been Irish folk tales and because I'm touring America I want to do at some point try and tie it in with the tour by tackling some American folk tales and after some searching I did find a book on American folk tales and ballads um I'm trying to remember can't remember the author's name on it I'll find out for the talk afterwards um but I found it on Kindle I finally bit the bullet and got a Kindle for traveling around. I couldn't, I just couldn't justify the bringing of a pocket library that I usually do when I travel anymore. And I have to say I'm in love with it. It's fantastic. I've joined, joined the new century or the new generation. I don't think for one second it'll ever take away from my love of reading books, but it's definitely brilliant for having on the road. And 
I still, the one book I do have is my now severely tattered copy of Irish Mythology by Lady Gregory, and I love that that's the one book that I do have. But I've been able to download a lot of the other folktale books onto the Kindle just to have them wherever, and this was a great find this book on American folktales. I found some great stories in it already to take on for the next couple of weeks. And incredibly, the very first story I read in it is a story that is an Irish folktale, is a story that is in the WB Yeats book of Irish folktales. In fact, it was very nearly going to be the very first episode of Fireside. But two reasons. One... I wanted the first episode to be something that people would recognize, even if they didn't know the story itself. So that's why it was the story of the Giant's Causeway, which is something that a lot of Irish people, if not all Irish people, would have at least heard of if they didn't know the exact story behind it, and especially this involvement with Fionn McCool as well. But this is a story, as you know from the title, called The Three Wishes, which, of course, is just about the most folktale, fairy tale name to anything ever but the one other reason why I didn't pick it as the first first episode was it's a really great story in the version that I read originally but the ending was just a little bit problematic as, as I've said before that is a problem with some folk tales in general is that a lot of them like a lot of them can just peter out a lot of them don't have like a really really strong ending in the in the way that we've been conditioned to want our stories to have endings anyway. Um, and I've just like, I don't think any of the ones that I've chosen suffer from that as much because I try to pick ones that I think are really good throughout. But I have been reading a lot of folk tales that have been really strong throughout and then have kind of petered off towards the end, which is a shame. Um, but that's just the way it is. And, but this American version I found of this folk tale of the Three Wishes had a much better ending and an ending that was so much more imaginative, so much more vivid, and I said, no, this is it, this is the one. So I've tried, in my version of it, I've tried to marry the two. We'll see this, we'll see how this works. Let me know what you think of it, because this is trying something a little bit different. But I've tried to marry the two versions, and to make this a very much an Irish-American folktale, as I do view it, as those are the ones I'd be very interested to see in the next couple of weeks, um, to tie it in with this podcast and the tour, but to also make it... American as well. So this is The Three Wishes on Fireside. The Three Wishes There once was a bold pup of a blacksmith named Will Dawson, but because he was an absolute devil, they called him Bad Bill. Bad Bill's father had emigrated from Ireland and had settled outside the city of Charlottesville in Virginia, which is where Bad Bill still lived and worked. He would drink every night, go out looking for fights, talk behind people's backs and to their faces. But there's someone out there for everyone, right? Well, there was for Bill. One night out on the town at his local tavern, which was the only one he hadn't been barred from just yet, Bill met Wendy. Neither of them bought the other a drink all night. They were horrible to each other, and of course, by the end of the night, they had fallen madly in love. They were soon married, Bill would drink and Wendy would drink. He would fight and she would fight, mostly with each other. And if he ever gave her a black eye, she was sure to give him two in return. The folks all round Charlottesville knew them as Bad Bill and Wicked Wendy. One of the few redeeming qualities that Bill and Wendy possessed was that they were uncommonly kind to strangers. 
And one day when Bill was still hammering away in his workshop, an old beggar hobbled in. He was bent double with walking stick and tattered cloak that obscured his bearded face. As soon as Bill saw the old man, he rushed to him. Welcome, stranger. Come in. Sit yourself down and rest yourself. He guided the beggar to the biggest and most comfortable chair in the workshop. Bill called for Wendy. Wendy? The hell you want, Bill? We have a guest. Oh, I'll fetch some vittles this second. Betty returned soon after with a plate full of potatoes, meat, beans, cake, and even a glass of beer. Here you are, sir. Eat up. It ain't much, but it should restore your energy somewhat. Yeah, said Bill. If I can eat this stuff three times a day, I'm sure you can stomach it once. Thank you, thank you, mumbled the old man. As the beggar ate, Bill returned to his work. In his peripheral vision, he kept a side eye on his guest. Suddenly, though, the old beggar began to rise. Bill went to help him, but the old man didn't need any help. He dropped his walking stick and grew straighter and straighter until he stood up straight. Then there was a flash of light, and suddenly there was a tall man with a long white beard, a gold staff, and full green robes. The man in green spoke. I wouldn't say you know who I am, do you, William? I'm sorry, I, I don't reckon I do. That doesn't surprise me, as you've never set foot in a church before, have you? And your father from Ireland and everything. I, I don't really believe in any of that junk. Well, I've got a bit of bad news for you then, Bill. I'm St. Patrick. You're the patron saint of Ireland. That's right. You don't sound much like my father. Yes, well, actually, I'm from Wales. Then, how I... Long story, I'm not getting into it now. This isn't about me. This is about you, William. What about me? Well, once a year, I come down and walk the earth and see if there are any decent people left. The first person to show me kindness, I grant three wishes. So as it turns out, that person is you, Will. So tell me, what are the three things you desire most in this world? While Bill initially didn't believe a word of what St. Patrick said, he thought he had nothing to lose by giving a few wishes a go. Well, for one, I'm always working so damn hard while people sit in my rocking chair, and it always makes me mad. So my first wish would be that anyone who sits in that rocking chair will be stuck sitting it until I say so. Patrick took out a little notepad and a gold pencil. That's one. Okay, said Bill, rubbing his hands together. You see that sledgehammer over yonder? Every day I need to use that hammer, but every day kids break in here and run off with it. And sure enough, whenever I need it, I have to go looking for it. So my second wish is... Anyone who grabs that hammer will be forced to work with it and never let go of it until I say so. St. Patrick was not impressed, but wrote down the second request. One wish left, William. At this moment, Bill thought of Wendy. He ran inside to fetch her and explained everything along the way. He told her she could pick the very last wish. While Wendy was again skeptical like Bill had been, she gave it a good bit of thought nonetheless. Well, that fire bush outside our house is just about my favorite plant on this here land. But dang it, folks are always trampling on it, same as horses and other critters. 
I wish that anyone who went near that firebush would be grabbed by it and pulled down to where the thorns are the thickest and wouldn't be released until I said so. A disgusted St. Patrick wrote down the final wish and shoved the pencil and notepad back in his robes. I've heard some awful requests in my time, but I've never heard such stupid, wicked, and wasted wishes. Would neither of you have given any thought to your souls, no? No, ain't got no time for that, said Bill. Well, enjoy your demands, then, said Patrick. I hope it makes you very happy. Ah, Patrick, will you not stay? St. Patrick to you, and no, I can't. And with that... Patrick vanished in a flash of light. With their new gifts, Bad Bill and Wicked Wendy became worse and more wicked than ever. Any time anyone would have the misfortune to sit in that rocking chair or pick up that sledgehammer or brush past that bush, Bill and Wendy would laugh and taunt or bribe the victims out of money just to be let free again. The locals tried to warn everybody they could, and the reputations of Bill and Wendy spread far and wide until they eventually reached the ears of the devil himself. When he heard that, the old boy himself said, Well, that won't do much at all, will it? I can't have mortals unearth that evil. I'll have to send out one of my young'uns to fetch this bad Bill. So the devil sent out one of his children up to earth to Bill and Wendy's house. He was horned and cloven like you'd expect, but was about the size of a ten-year-old child. The imp went into Bill's workshop and said, Bad Bill, come on now. My daddy said to fetch you and bring you straight back. Bill barely flinched and carried on with his work. No problem at all. I just have to finish working on this here horseshoe. Shouldn't take longer than five minutes. The little devil was perplexed. No, Daddy said I'm to bring you now. Calm yourself, son. I'll be as quick as I can. The impatient imp walked into the workshop and sat in the rocking chair while Bill continued his work. When Bill finished the horseshoe, he turned to the demon. Ready whenever you are, young'un. The devil's son attempted to climb out of the chair, but of course was rooted to the spot. Help! I'm stuck! Bill smirked. Oh, no, are you? Oh, that's mighty awful. I guess you won't be taking me anywhere. You tricked me. I didn't know such thing. You sat down there of your own free will. Release me. Only if you swear to never return and bother me again. Yes, yes, I, I promise. All right, then. Away with you. The little imp scampered away, with his pointed tail tucked between his legs. Not half an hour later... Bad Bill was working away on a wagon tire when another demon appeared. This one about the build of a 16-year-old boy. His horns were more fully grown, and he had an artificial swagger like he thought he was his father. Bad Bill, your time has come. Oh, son, my time coming will have to wait just a few minutes until I finish this here wagon wheel. No, my daddy said if I'm not back with you in five minutes, he'll roast me good. Well, I'm the one with the red-hot poker in my hand right now, so you'll just have to wait. The young devil watched as Bad Bill picked up the wheel with one hand and awkwardly attempted to hammer it with the other free hand. His frustration got the better of him, and he marched over to the blacksmith. You hold that wheel, Bill. Give me that sledgehammer. Bill let go of the hammer and held the wheel, turning it when necessary until the wheel was done. 
He threw it in the cooling tub and propped it up against the wall. When he turned around, he saw to his absolute delight that the hammer was still swinging up and down, bucking up and down like a wild stallion with that young devil flailing about, his hands stuck to the handle. Help! Bill! I'll do anything! Will you leave me alone? Yes, I'll never come back. I swear it. All right, you're free. When he landed on the ground again, he ran out the door down the road as fast as his now mangled legs would carry him. Naturally enough, it wasn't long before Bad Bill was visited for a third time. But on this occasion, there was no messenger. There was no errand boy. This time, standing before Bill's workshop, was the old boy himself. You've been a bit of an inconvenience to me today, William. You've been more than an inconvenience to me, Nick. Trying to get a bit of work done with demons and devils pestering you all day. That's my everyday, but that's by the way. Come on now. No tricks. No delays. I ain't got the time nor the patience. A few more hits in this pickaxe and I'm all yours. Why don't you sit down? I ain't sitting in no chair of yours. Well, if you're in that much of a rush, why don't you give me a hand? How stupid do you think I am, boy? I'm the devil, Bill. Now come here this second. You've been enough of the thorn in my side already today. The word thorn sparked in Bill an elaborate but cunning plan. And what if I say no? What'll you do then, Nick? I'll drag you down to hell personally. Well, go on then. Give me all you've got. Now the devil was no fighter, as he didn't need to be. Sure, who would ever fight the devil? But nonetheless, the old boy grabbed Nick by his collar and with one hand dragged him from his workstation. Bill was prepared and he swung round and punched the devil square in the jaw. The two boys went to the ground, rolling, punching, kneeing, kicking, getting whatever digs they could in. Bill was no demon, but he was a good scrapper. He always had been. The devil may have been the lord of darkness, but he was out of touch hand to hand. But just as it seemed like Nick might get the upper hand, Bill reached out and as hard as he could pulled the devil's tail. The old boy hollered out, That does it! I can't remember the last time anyone got me worked up at all. Where's a pitchfork when I need one? I'm gonna get me a switch. The devil clambered up and went to the nearest bush he could find, which just so happened to be the firebush. He went to break off a branch, but the moment he touched it, the leaves and roots of the bush engulfed the devil, pulling him down to where the thorns were thickest. The more the devil squirmed, the tighter the grip of the branches was, and the deeper into his red flesh the thrones dug. Eventually, the devil stopped squirming. He let out a sigh. All right, Bill. You got the better of me. Now let me go. Not so fast. I'm not letting you go unless you swear this is the last time I'm bothered by you or any of your kind for good. You have my word. Now release me. I'm not convinced. I should make you beg. Do not try me, boy. Bill thought the better of it and released the devil from the firebush. After brushing the thorns from him, without saying another word, the devil was engulfed in a flash of flame and was gone. Bad Bill went inside to Wicked Wendy and told her all about his day. I wondered what all that ruckus was. 
Ruckus? You heard all that and didn't come out to see if I needed help? Well, from the sounds of it, I did help. How'd you figure that? Well, it was my idea to enchant the firebush. Without that, you'd have had no chance at all against the old boy. You are some piece of work. But you got me there. Bad Bill and Wicked Wendy lived a long and happy life after that. And true enough to his word, the devil never bothered them again. And with no incentive, the two of them became worse and worse over the years. Meaner and harder. And when Bad Bill finally did die, he went up to the pearly gates and he was met by St. Peter. I'm surprised to see you, I must say, William. I'm as surprised as you are, Peter. I suppose you better give me the grand tour. Hold on just a minute. From the other side of the pearly gates sprang St. Patrick. You are not coming in here. I wouldn't expect to be allowed to stay, Patrick. I just fancied maybe meeting some folks, hearing some harp music. You don't happen to serve the beer harp, do you? Well, of course you can get harp in heaven, but you'll never see it. For in all of your ninety-two years on earth, you are hardly kind to a soul. Not your wife, not even yourself. We couldn't possibly let you in. You may give the other place a go. So Bad Bill was forced to turn on his heels and walk down the spiral staircase right down to hell. When he was approaching the fiery gates, there were some demons playing a game of catch with a ball of fire. One of these demons was the very son of the devil who had been first sent up to fetch Bill all those years ago. When the imp saw Bill coming, he shouted, Lock the gates! Don't let him in! The gates were locked and Bill was left outside. He pounded them with his fists and called out to be let in until the old boy himself came to where Bill was. Hello there, Bill. Hi there, Nick. Since I can't get in up above, any chance I could get in here? No way in hell am I letting you in here. Pun very much intended. But, but, don't you have to let me in? Usually, yes, but... These are particular circumstances. So, where am I supposed to go? And with that, the devil himself picked up a flaming hot coal and handed it through the gate with a pair of big tongues. Take this. Go and start your own hell. And without another word, the devil walked away. Bad Bill took that piece of coal as far away from the gates of hell as he could and started a fire. And he waited there, on his own, for years. Until one day, a figure emerged from the surrounding darkness. Is that you, Patrick? called out Bill. Or are you the devil? It was neither. From the darkness emerged, wicked Wendy. Wendy, you found me. Reckon I had no choice. Seems neither of us can get in anywhere else. Well, said Bill. Now we got each other. That's all we ever needed in the first place. And they're still there today. Bad Bill and Wicked Wendy. Too bad for heaven or for hell. The end. And that was The Three Wishes on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. I had an absolute ball 
uh, both writing and recording that that episode. Um, you can see why it's why it's different, of course, and why it was a trickier challenge. And um, that's definitely the most amount of accents that I've jumped between, literally crossing continents between sentences. The big one I had just my natural read. Trickily enough, like the hardest one is to do the dialogue in an American accent and then switch back to the storytelling in your own neutral accent. Um, but then throwing in throwing in the Welsh for good measure. So to anybody from Wales or Virginia, I do apologise um, if my accents are terrible. But I had fun anyway, and I hope you did too. So yeah, this was... I had encountered this story. Um, it's Bad Bill. Bad Bill in, um, in the Irish version. His name's... I think his name's John. I think his name's John in the American version, um, or Jack in some as well. But I liked I liked Bad Bill, and it's the only only in the Irish one that I found um, is there mention of the wife. Uh, there's no wife in the American one, which I kind of got because she doesn't play any part in the actual devil interaction. So it might have been actually cleaner um, to to cut her out again. But I I really wanted to include her. I really liked the idea of them being horrible together. And the one thing, the one thing of this version that's of my total invention is the very end. Um, so in the Irish version that I found, it basically just ends with Bill not getting into heaven or to hell. And that's kind of it. And that just seemed like a bit of an anticlimax and a bit of a just like, don't be too bad, you know, or else you'd be too bad for any. But it was in, an Ameri- in the American version. And apparently that comes from like a very specific old, old version of it has the idea of him being handed the coal and starting his own hell, which is incredible. I love the idea of that. Um, So my own amendment to that was that he would be on his own there until Wendy herself died and that they could be together then, wicked forever. It it was kind of a dark but, like, nice ending to it, I feel, and I hope you enjoyed it. it. It was a satisfying conclusion for me anyway. Um, and it was actually like it was not in either version but I just saw a note so I found out the name of the book that I'm reading on it is it's called American Folk Tales and Songs and it's by a guy named Richard Chase put it together not sure how old it is I think it might be actually recent enough um, but this is one of the first stories in it and he does what I love in folklore books Um I've spoken before about Philip Pullman's Grim Tales books and my favourite thing about it is not only his incredible writing and his incredible storytelling skills, but at the end of each story he talks about what his what his main influence was. And that was something I tried to do right here. Sorry, it actually just happened there. This is why I don't pause. So I don't pause episodes. You try and pause and like look up something or anything like that and then you always forget to press record again. So I was talking for about five minutes of actual decent, maybe drivel, but felt decent enough to say. But what I was going to say was, um, less so Philip Pullman's influence, but just what he likes about each story and what he's changed and what he's added to in his versions. And in this Richard Chase folklore book that I'm reading on American Folk Tales, he has at the beginning of each story, um, like where he found them and the different versions of them. So he acknowledges right off the bat the WB Yeats version of this story that is there. It's hard to know like which version came first. Probably, probably the Irish. It is easy to say that, um, but it probably was. And um, 
so he acknowledges a couple of different things but it's not in his version of it but he just says there is a version so the old man who turns into saint patrick in the original story he turns into saint peter which is what would make sense you know because it says saint peter who he meets at the end so that's the reason he'd be the one to block but they just he just has a note at the beginning richard chase that um that there's a version that the it becomes saint patrick and so i couldn't resist that temptation I couldn't resist that temptation to a feature St. Patrick to to marry to marry the American and the Irish together, but also it never resists the temptation to do a Welsh accent. And yes, for those who did not know that St. Patrick was Welsh. St. Patrick was an indentured slave who was sent over to Ireland as a child, and then when he grew up and became Patrick, Patrick who we know. Uh, he went back over to Ireland to Christianize it and to get rid of the snakes and be a great lad altogether. Incidentally enough, before St. Patrick, P, the letter P was not in the Irish alphabet. And there's like a really old English-Irish dictionary that has like Porrick that has Patrick in it and just acknowledges him as like just some lad who came over here. It doesn't acknowledge his, his influence or his significance. So there was even a long time where Patrick of Ireland was still shunned by own Irish people. Um, and again, yes, I hope my Welsh accent was not too bad. And the other big character in this is, of course, the devil. I've spoken a few times on this about how, certainly with the Irish myths, a big problem is that the reason we have the recorded evidence of them is because of 4th, 5th century Christian scribes who took them down. But obviously, understandably enough, they had to Christianize them. So they changed a lot of the endings, a lot of the plot points. They tried to make turn the Tua de Danon from gods into just supernatural beings, but tried to understate that. So I've tried to, where I can, to take the agenda at least out of them to some extent. But a casualty of this is, of course, you lose characters like the devil. And the devil is just still one of the greatest characters of all time. He's the ultimate and original villain. And I'm a firm believer. I share this with uh, one of my best friends, Jeddah, who I will dedicate this episode to as a result of this, um, that the best portrayal of the devil in cinema is Tom Waits in the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. If you haven't seen it, it's it's more infamous at this stage because it's known as the last film that Heath Ledger worked on. Uh, he died during production of it, and his part is is uh, finished by three other actors, by Johnny Depp, uh, Colin Farrell, and I think Jude Law. I could be wrong about that one. Um, but Tom Waits plays the devil in it, in an incredible performance. And it's so good because it's A, it's Tom Waits, and Tom Waits in anything is going to give it a lift with how just original and badass he is but it's just how he plays the devil as really like un it's a really understated performance like he just doesn't care and it's so right it's like why why would the devil care why would the devil care about anything it's so like it's it's got such a sinister nature to it but never seems like evil in any way or like malicious or calculating just really just cool just really tom waits basically so of course then i had the opportunity to do a Tom Waits, a bad Tom Waits impression as well, which was really starting to hurt by the end of that episode. Scrunching down on your voice like that. I don't know how he talks. You can only talk like that if you actually are him yourself and are smoking that amount of cigarettes. Um, 
but yeah, is Imaginarium is uh, it's well worth well worth film checking out. Uh, you get it. Christopher Plummer is in it as well. His great performance, and you get a chance to see a very early Andrew Garfield. Um, but I'm reminded there's a voiceover documentary that I'm a really big fan of, especially from doing the different accents in this. It's called I Know That Voice. It's executive produced by John DiMaggio, who voices uh, Bender on Futurama and Jake the Dog on Adventure Time. And Kevin Conroy is influence is interviewed in it. Kevin Conroy is known as the guy who voices Batman in the animated series for the last 20, 25 years, um, alongside Mark Hamill as the Joker. And he just talks about the first time he ever tried to make that I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman. Uh, he was losing his voice constantly and he had to find a way to get around it and find a way that was able to sustain it. So who knows, with a bit of work, I could sustain my Tom Way's accent. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Another shorter episode tonight, but I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, it's a great tale. Um, and let me know if you have any feedback at all. Next week, we're moving back on to the myths. And I think I've been toying around with this for a while about which cycle to tackle next. Because there's a cycle that is next chronologically. And then there's a cycle that I think should go next. Because the one that's next chronologically, I think I want to save. So I won't say exactly what it is, just in case I have a last minute change of heart. But we are starting a new cycle of myth next week, regardless. And... It's going to be a good one. They're both they're both incredible. Um, but there's just one I think I want to save because I think it might be... I think it'll have to be handled in a different way. It'll be less easy to break down episodically. And I've spoken about uh, hardcore history before. Uh, Dan Carlin's podcast where he does these like five, six-hour just history breakdowns. And there's one of them... Yeah, there's one of these cycles of Irish myth that that I feel it almost needs to be more tackled like that, that it needs to be like a super, super special, and essentially just like an audio book. Um, so we'll see what decision I make, but hopefully it'll be good regardless. Um, but I will wrap it, up, wrap it up there. So thank you so much for listening. If you're a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. If it's your first time, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll be back. Please do subscribe on iTunes, leave uh, ratings and uh, stars. They really do make a difference. Follow me on Instagram at Olahan Solo, all one word, O-L-O-H-A-N-S-O-L-O. Thank you so much to the Headstuff Podcast Network um, for continuing to put this out while I'm still on the road. Uh, thank you for Jamie, my producer, who edits this all together. And yeah, thank you for listening again. I'll see you next week on the fireside. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.